Give a little, help a lot. Make getting back to school easier for families by paying towards their PEP lay-by. Give as little as 2 rand in-store or 20 rand online. Make a difference. Become a lay-by buddy today. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. Look at online. that you're doing very well and that you're remembering to find something that gives you joy every single day. Some days we've got to look harder than other days, but I promise you it's always there. As you know, Healthcare Hour with me is all about us improving the relationship between healthcare practitioners and patients. It's about educating all of us about what we all need and improving communication. And it's also for everyone to understand that healthcare practitioners are people. They might come with fancy titles, they might come with degrees and all sorts of perceptions about them, but they are people. More about me, you know that I'm Colleen Quist. I am a coach and a mentor, and I feel passionate about people living their best lives and bringing down the walls between people. That's really where I work. So when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Mzama Jakavula, who is my guest for the day. But first, let's go for that break. The roads have emptied. Only us left. Kids sleeping in back. Cat's eyes shine bright. White lines roll by. The rhythm of the streetlights. Radio hums quietly. Brain starts. Hypnotic wipers. Pulling. Hot latte and apple pie. He's back into the darkness. Over 600 McDonald's open 24 hours. We are awake. Stay woke with Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. Today we are speaking to Dr. Mzamo Jakavula. Hi, Mzamo. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Colin, and uh, thank you for having me. Yes. So let's tell these listeners more about you. Um, Dr. Mzamo is a medical practitioner with 15 years experience, mostly in the mental health space. He's worked in numerous roles and institutions with other like-minded individuals, and he's trying hard to serve mental health care users and also to advocate for the improvement of accessibility of these services for all who need them. And he believes that there's a lot of work to do, but united we can win this battle. And we also know that it's important that we talk about things, that we educate people, that we bring, we don't talk about that, out into the open, especially in um, communities that have things that we don't talk about. So, Mzama, thank you. Thank you, Pauline. Yes. Uh, So let's share your journey with us, you know, from from being um, young and deciding, okay, you're going to go and be a doctor. How did that all roll out? Okay, so, um, you know, growing up in an environment where we had limited access to information, um, only certain professions uh, we knew about. And uh, if you were one of the top performing um, students in, in school, then you would be pushed 
towards a certain um, career. Uh, most commonly, it would be engineering or accounting or being a doctor. So um, I was sort of pushed, but um, in my matric here, I think I also fell in love with the profession um, because it involved um, helping people, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, coming from a, a community, um, under-impoverished community, um, it, it sort of motivated me as well to do this and and um, serve people in whatever capacity that I can. So that's how I sort of um, got into into the profession and ended up uh, enrolling for for my degree. Okay, and then off to UKZN you went. So I went to UKZN. Um, it was a challenging experience being away from home, being exposed to new things. Um, having to be independent um, for the first time in my life, um, having to navigate um, from the late teen, teens to early adulthood, um, early 20s. Um, it was um, quite an experience, um, a lot of challenges, but a lot of good memories as well. Um, uh, learning both academically and learning um, in terms of life experiences. Um, and then I qualified uh, in 2007 and then went off to the working world. Okay. So tell us more about the working world then, the working world of a doctor. Um, <laughs> huge wake-up call um, because you've sort of, been in a nest, been sheltered your whole life from when you were at home to um, being a tertiary. Um, Even though in tertiary there is some independence, but you're still sort of um, sheltered in a way. So it's a huge wake-up call when you then go into the um, working world because now you're on your own and um, you have to learn a whole new um, way of living life. Um, you have to learn how to uh, work with people, how to understand the different personalities, navigate work politics. And then obviously there are also expectations from home. Um, and, you know, when you are now a doctor, there, there are expectations that come with that as well um, from society, from family, from friends. So it, it, it sort of became, um, it's, it's a burden in a way. It has its good, its good um, side, but it's also got the negatives. There's a lot of pressure, especially um, with young, um, I'd say specifically black um, males. Um, we have a lot of pressure and we want to live up to this um, hype that we have to believe in a certain lifestyle. So outside of work, yes, work has its own um, pressures and its own challenges um, because we are still training as well and trying to apply all that theory, uh, putting it into practice now. But now on the side, on the personal capacity side, um, you you have this this pressure that you, societal pressures that you have to navigate. So you have to balance um, and if you don't have proper guidance, it's easy to stray um, and make wrong decisions, which can cost you in the long run. So it's interesting that you've spoken about guidance. Do you believe at medical school or when you step out into that working world as a young doctor, do you believe that there is guidance? I don't think it's sufficient. Um, 
even to this day, I don't think it's sufficient. I do believe that um, social media has played a huge role because uh, we've got these groups now on like on Facebook where professionals can um, can engage and share experiences and ideas. Um, it helps a bit, uh, but when I was um, starting to work at the time, it was not um, available. We didn't have such guidance, and we've got this hierarchy in our profession where, where it's difficult if you are at a junior level to interact um, on a social level with uh, people um, higher up. So the guidance was very limited, um, uh, but you appreciated whatever bit of um, uh, guidance you got from whoever. Okay. And so you think that that has changed from when you were starting to change, from when you first qualified or first started? Definitely there's a gradual change. And um, I think also uh, graduates coming out now, um, young doctors coming out, um the hierarchy hierarchy thing is sort of um it's not as as uh, strict as it was at the time when i was qualifying um so we do interact with people who are currently students um junior doctors we have friends who are junior doctors so it's easy to share with them um and warn them about possible challenges and pitfalls they might encounter and uh, how to navigate. And when they get into trouble, we are there to, um, yeah, to, to assist them and guide them and advise. So there is some, some change. It's still not enough, but um, we are making progress in that, um, that regard. Yes. Okay. So you've spoken about, you know, when we make mistakes, what kind of, you know, when we look back on our lives, of course, we're all brilliant at looking back and saying, oh, we should have this and we should have that. And also sometimes when you sit with people and you say, no, well, don't do this because I did that and I made the mistake. Sometimes people have to live it in order to, you know, it's only when you've experienced it for yourself that you think, oh, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done X, Y, Z. But we, so, you know, sort of like when you're trying to get people to try a different path, they yes. don't always take advice. Correct. Um, they say hindsight is the best teacher. Yes. Um, I, I, I think the biggest um, challenge is to do with finances. Um, we make wrong financial decisions. Um, I remember specifically one example of a decision that I made. A senior came to me and told me, um, advised me against doing something. Um, and I said, ah, I'm going to do it anyway. And I learned the hard way by leaving that experience that uh, she was actually right in warning me. So you are correct. Um, a lot of people, it's difficult to want, I mean, to get them not to do things. Mm. Um, you can just advise and it's up to them whether they take that advice or not. Yeah, um, yeah so it's mostly financial decisions, but also in terms of um, uh, relationships and friendships that people form, um, they can be destructive and it has an impact in a way on your overall well-being. Um if you make the wrong decisions, so to say. So, and also if you lack, as I've said, if you lack the proper guidance, if you lack support, then um, it becomes difficult to deal with the consequences of those decisions. And we've had um, colleagues who are suffering with, um, uh, you know, they 
become depressed and they um, some end up committing suicide and others um, live with the depression. So there are a lot of consequences that come with that. And um, yeah, we, we we it's always better when you have the, the the support and the guidance. Yes, and also I think to be able to have discussions where a lot of communities don't have open discussion of oh you would like to do X let's talk about it what are the ups what are the downs what are the what are the consequences um, you know yay it'll be fun um, and then to allow people to explore but in theory. And then if they decide, okay, let's go off and do it, then fine. But when everything's hush-hush, then, then as soon as everything's hush-hush, then it's, oh, we must go do that. Correct. Um, there are things that are considered taboo uh, in certain communities. Um, and then they are not discussed. Things are yeah. swept under the carpet. So even if you want advice on certain things, you you know, you worry about judgment and being judged and all of those things. So you end up not talking about it. Um, and also I find that um, there's a generational uh, gap as well where certain generations have certain views and, you know, they see life in a certain way. So, it's difficult for them to relate to another generation um, and how they do things and their view of life. So you find that even when people are advising or guiding each other, they can't find each other because their perceptions of life and culture generally, um, they differ because of the generational gap. Yes. And so to your point there, Dr. Nzamo, exactly where, you know, like we want to mentor people. We want to say, oh, this is how I did it. We need to also take into account that we live in different times. We live in different eras. We live in different different Correct. communities, different ways, experiences. And so it can't just be a copy-paste. I did it this way, so therefore, juk, you must do it this way too. Because it's a different world, different different people, unique situations. Correct. Um, so um, times are evolving and um if you are not keeping up with with, with the changes that are happening, yeah. then you will forever be stuck in, in, in the past. Um, so, for instance, the generation before me and the current generation, um, things, the way we do things, the way we view life is very different. And it's important for one to understand that and that when I, I want to advise someone from a certain generation, um, I need to put myself in their shoes and understand how they view life. Um, uh, and also it's important to allow people space to make mistakes. Um, obviously, we don't want people to get into trouble and stray, you know, and, and make wrong decisions. But it's important sometimes to, make, to allow people to make those mistakes. You advise them, but allow them to make their mistakes and learn from them. Because um, as we've said earlier, hindsight is is the best experience. But as long as you are there to guide them through that process, yeah, it it helps. But not guide them off the mountain cliff, you know? (laughs) No, no. That that you intervene before, yes. Yes. Okay, so let's go for a break. Um, And when we come back, we're going to be talking about um, your interest in mental health and your journey in your own personal mental health but we're going to go for that break. Before we go for the break, please remember that VUCA Online Radio has got an inspiration conference on the 5th of August, 
please make sure that you have booked your tickets and we'll see you after the break. Build generational wealth and save when you combine life and funeral cover. Take one dealer here. For just 347 rand per month, he gets 1.5 million rand life cover plus 15,000 rand funeral cover for his wife. Or Prisha, who gets 1 million rand life cover plus 15,000 rand funeral cover for her grandmother for just 297 rand per month. Build your generational wealth plan today with One Life. Go to onelife.co.za today. One Life. Changing lives. Welcome back. You're tuned to Dr. Ms. You listen to me. We're with Dr. Mzama Jakavula and you tuned to Healthcare with Colleen Quist. Listen to me tripping over myself today. <laughs> All right. So, um, Mzama, let's talk about your interest in healthcare, but specifically mental, mental health. Okay. Um, it started, uh, I think, before, even before I. I became a medical student, I've always had an interest in, in understanding the human mind, uh, human behavior. Uh, I can say I've been a student of the human behavior for most of my life. So that's where the interest came from. And I think um, after I started working, maybe three, four years into my uh, working career, I was then uh, working in a mental health unit and got to see close up because we don't have a lot of exposure as students to psychiatry and mental health. Um, so I got to see close up as when I was working in the mental health unit, uh, what mental health care is all about um, and how uh, mental health care users are not, uh, they don't have as much uh, advocacy and support and resources and accessibility to health care as other other people who, uh, who require other health care services so it it so it it um it it um grew something in me to say that this is what i would like to do um for the rest of my life of course um i made detours along the way but um i always gravitated towards mental health care um for most of my career um, so that's how I ended up, you know, developing the passion for um, uh, working in the space and, and uh, dealing with mental health care. Yes, and specifically in psychiatry that you've been interested in. Yes, and um, also I think all because of uh, personal, uh, my own personal experiences, my own personal journey, um, I, it also contributed to, to this passion that I have. So it's something that you you have experienced and seen firsthand and also saying, okay, let's change it out there for people. So what, what we know is, is that when people share their own lived experience, we have a better understanding. We can also end stigma. We can end discrimination in mental Correct. health. All right. Um, so I've um, lived my life, I think, um, in in retrospect, I've always been a person with dep- with depression, but it was just undiagnosed. Um, it's only recently, uh, about uh, three years ago, that I was officially diagnosed. Um, but I've lived my life with that, and I think at some stage I knew that I had some issues, but um, it was very difficult to get help. Uh, as we've mentioned before, that some issues are taboo in certain communities. So being from a closer black um, community, 
um, it's difficult to share this with uh, friends, with peers, um, with family that I'm going through this um, because they have a different understanding of what depression is. So it was a journey that I had to go on solo. Um, and until I got professional help, um, it was not an easy journey to navigate. Um, yeah. And so, you know, thank you for that, that you are speaking out because by speaking out, you actually assist so many other people sitting there thinking, gee, I think I'm living with depression, but oh, I can't speak about it. Yes, it's, 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 um, I think I've come to understand, you know, when you work with patients and uh, people who are suffering with mental illness, the experience is different than when you also experience it because now you get to understand deep, deeply what they go through. So I've come to understand why it's difficult for people to seek help because of the stigma and because of being judged, because of the condescending comments um, Mm. that come with uh, having mental illness. Because although some people are high-functioning, you've got people like myself who are professionals who are high-functioning on a daily basis, but we still get um, those condescending comments and um, those judgmental, um, you know, um, comments. So it's very difficult to come out and say that I've got this problem and um, I need help. Um, it, it becomes a scary journey, but you need to be fearless and accept that this is your reality. And if you don't um, seek help, then it's going to become worse. Um, the only way is to get professional help and support. Yes. And so now, Nzama, you said that a question you have asked is how to integrate culture, religion, and psychiatry. Yes, um, it's very, it's a very difficult concept because um, there are people who believe strictly in religious um, uh, ideology. There are people who believe strictly in cultural ideology, and then there would be professionals, healthcare professionals who believe strictly in science. Um, So when a person comes who needs help and maybe uh, believes in all these three or believes in two of the three um, and is being assisted sometimes by a professional who doesn't understand or doesn't believe in the other two, um, it becomes very difficult. So, we in mental health um, as professionals, we try to have these conversations um, where we try to understand the dynamics of the different cultures and uh, how they impact on, on on one's mental health. Because one might say they are depressed, and then the culture might say something else, the religion might say something else, and offer different solutions. So we always want to come to a place where we can reach common ground without antagonizing um, the one, antagonizing the other, without looking down on um, yes. one of the, the other components. Yes. So it's a, it's a it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's a conversation that has to be had um, on an ongoing basis. And um, we are a globalized uh, community now. We no longer live in silos as in the old days. So we need to try and understand the different um, cultures and religions that come with that. 
And I think it's also about, you know, as we said in the beginning, about having the conversations. Because so often I see in social media where somebody says anonymously now um, that they are experiencing problems, they do feel that they have depression or they're in a dark space. And then, you know, I always read the replies to see, right, how are we supporting this person? And, you know, it's traumatizing to actually see where people say, oh, no, it doesn't exist. You know, just pray more or, you know, come on now, not in this community. We don't do that. 100% correct. And um, it, it goes back to that conversation that um, some things are considered taboo in certain communities. Um, so it's a matter of, of, of um, trying to be open-minded and uh, uh, being willing to understand and living in, I mean, being putting yourself in another person's shoes. So in as much as um, I might not believe in certain things, but uh, one needs to be sensitive uh, to what the other person might believe. Um, so we also, as health professionals, you know, I, I subscribe to culture and religion, uh, but I'm also a health professional. But um, even if I didn't subscribe to those, uh, the culture and the religion, but being a professional, I have to work with what the person's belief system is. Because sometimes, um, yes, the science has a role to play, definitely. But sometimes one's support structure is in the religious um, uh, domain. So you need to work with that, with whatever support they have. So that's why it's always important to have that conversation, to have common understanding um, no matter what you believe in and not to impose or, you know, prescribe without being open-minded to someone else what they need to do to, to get help um, as a solution. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it reminds me of coaching, where coaching is very much that we meet the patient, the client, where they are. That's definitely uh, so. Um, we have this the the biopsychosocial um, approach uh, that you look at a person holistically. You don't just look at them as a body, um, you know, in science terms. So it's it's very important to as I'm, I'm I keep emphasizing to put yourself in one's shoes. And I think it's easy for me to say that now because I understand from being a professional to living with a mental illness, um, the experiences tend to be, to be different. So, so if you haven't lived in, the, in, 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 you know, in someone's shoes, it's difficult. It's sometimes it's difficult to understand what they might yes. be going through and what they need. Yeah. Okay. So let's pop out for the next break. And when we come back, I'd like to speak to you more about, you know, your personal journey and where you did reach out for help. But let's go right. for the break. At Grants, we believe all good things start with three. Yeah. Because three isn't a crowd, it's company. Three, it always starts the party. It's triple the characters, the moves, the memories. Grants, aged in three types of wood, for a smooth taste. Triple wood, triple good. You're listening to Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You are tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. 
My guest today is Dr. Nzama Jakavula, and he's been sharing with us his interest in, obviously, medicine, but also his interest in mental health and how important it is and how he's really trying to work to advocate for mental health and to get people to speak about it, that it's not it's not separate, it's not different, it's not made up. And also realizing that in certain communities, some subjects are taboo. And so slowly using his own example um, with people he works with and, and obviously himself, he's changing He's changing mindsets. So, Mzama, let's look at your own your own example where you said, you know, we've done a lot of looking back. Yes. Where you look back and you think, oh, okay, gee, that's where this popped up. This is where that popped up. But knowing what you know now, what advice would you give people? Okay, so with me, it was... Um... Um, I think COVID messed a lot of things up for a lot of people. So as I said that um, I've been depressed for probably most of my life, but um, it was undiagnosed. So after COVID, that's when um, one of my supervisors at work noticed that there was something concerning with regards to my performance, and then they brought it to my attention. And in looking deeper into that, that's when I really, I, I could feel that there was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what was going on. Um, I had had COVID, it was, I think, June 2020. So I didn't know what was going on. This was now July, a month later. Um, it's then that we started looking into things and then um, discovered that um, um, it, it's depression and um, having to then go seek help, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, medication, and all of those things. So um, I think the the hardest part, the hardest part is, is, is actually acknowledging that this is your reality and you need help. Um, the first step is that step of, of, of seeking help. And it's very difficult because, as I've said, uh, the stigma, people are afraid of stigma. They are afraid of being judged. Um, I had to face that with uh, my colleagues, with my friends. Um, it was difficult for me to come out to my family and say that I've got um, this problem. Even though they know I work in this space, I deal with people with these problems on a daily basis, but it was difficult for me to open up and say, this, I've got this problem, because I was afraid um, of um, being judged or being told that, you know, I'm being dramatic. Um, it's a reality most of us face in our communities. Um, so, yes, so I got help, and then from then on, there was improvement, And but my work was affected as well, um, and then I had to take some time off work, um, and my social life got affected as well. So it's um, it's it's a circle that if one doesn't get help uh, as soon as they discover that they've got this problem, or if people around the person don't advise them to get help when they notice there's something wrong, because sometimes you don't know, you realize you don't realize that you are actually going off the rails, but the people around you can see. So if you don't, if they don't try and guide you towards the right direction, um, it only get, gets worse from there. So well done to your supervisor who actually called you out about, you know, who came and sat with you and said, you know, this is what I'm seeing. What are you feeling? What are you seeing? And that's another thing because um, sometimes uh, people will see there's something wrong with you 
And the, instead of discussing it with you, they will discuss about you. Yes, they gossip it with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't go to the person who needs, who is actually yeah. having the problem. So uh, in line with what you're saying, I actually appreciate um, what my supervisor did. And um, actually most of my supervisors, because I've got different supervisors, they were very supportive. And um, it helped that I work in the psychiatry space because mm-hmm. they understood what was going on. Doesn't always help. Sometimes people in it don't understand. I know in the coaching world, sometimes coaches don't apply things to their own lives. No, 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 it's true. You're 100% correct. You're 100% correct. Um, I was very fortunate to have understanding um, uh, uh, supervisors. But as you're saying, some people within psychiatry, within mental health, um, they don't have nice experiences uh, when they themselves need help. Mm. Um, As we've said earlier, people instead gossip about them instead of trying to support them and guide them towards yes. getting help. So yes. in my case, it, it worked out when it's still a journey. I'm still, you know, going through treatment. Um, one needs to realize that it, it's not an overnight uh, thing. There's no one, you know, overnight cure. It's a journey that you have to work through um, with the support that you have. Yes. And very much like in all journeys, there are things that you've got to do every single day And it's not just a magic wand and, yay, now I'm better now. And, you know, for people listening to us who might think, oh, but that would never be me, you don't know. It happens to anyone. And um, the ironical thing is that, you know, I was scared to share with my colleagues, but those few that I confided in, uh, it actually turned out that a lot of people, we're going through the same things, but they are also scared to share. So us being afraid of judgment, we deprive ourselves of actually supporting each other and uh, going through this journey together. Um, so for me, opening up to them actually turned out well because, yeah, I found out that a lot of people... So there are a lot of people who are going through a lot of um, things and suffering from mental illness, but they are scared and... In the, in, the, in, the, in the process of being scared, they, they deprive themselves of the opportunity to receive the support. And so it's so important as well that a self-awareness in yourself, that you realize that things are not what they should be. Also to be aware that things have gone out of equilibrium. They've gone out of homeostasis, to use a medical term. You have to, you have to spend enough time with yourself to be aware. That's correct. So it's, it's, I think part of the journey of growing up and some people neglect that is to study oneself, to understand yourself um, and to understand what makes you tick and, you know, how you respond to different situations and to work on those things. And once you've got that, you know, you can never figure it out hundred percent, but once you've got that figured out to some extent, you then know when things are not going okay. Because as I say that, I knew that um, um, when, I, when I started getting sick now, um, after the COVID, I knew that there was something off about me. This is not me, but I couldn't pinpoint. So fortunately, there was someone who was watching from outside who could say this is what's going on. So um, it's very important for one to be self-aware, as you say, and to know oneself, to know um, how you respond to different, um, to different situations. And then also in that awareness, we can't be caught up in the busy. 
of no time, no time, no time. I'll sort it out next year, next week, next whatever. And then also in healthcare, where you are caring for other people, it's almost no, no, I don't have time to be sick now. I must run off and care about everyone else. We, we are always chasing one thing after the next. I chase one goal, I achieve the goal, I'm moving on to the next goal. Um, but there's a concept that is being um, preached now that, you know, um, your employer, if you don't take care of yourself and you are worried about work and your company or your, the institution you're working for, when you collapse and die tomorrow, they will replace you. But you don't have a spare life um, hidden up somewhere. So you need to take care of yourself, definitely. Um, you need to make sure that you come first, your health come first. Yeah. So it's it's being responsible for your own care. Also, while we're talking about the employer, what do you believe the employer's responsibility is to their people's mental health? They, they need to be more mental health awareness programs. I mean, a lot of employers say they've got employee wellness programs and EPWP uh, people, but it's not really efficient. Yeah. And it's not doing what it's, it's words. supposed to do. Too so, many employers have got words, tick the block and we put it on the wall. It's, it's a tick block exercise. Yes, definitely. So they need to... Um, to come to the party definitely um and they need especially with men because there's a lot of people now i, I don't know if it's uh, awareness that's happening but a lot of people are coming out now and saying they're having mental health issues so they definitely need to come to the party and have more programs right um have more awareness programs and support structures for their employees definitely yes so i think it's also important as well that you know a to recognize that things aren't the way they should be. Um, B, to actually see, okay, who do you speak to? Because, yes, you can't just run off in every organization and speak to anyone or announce it at the board meeting. You can't do that. Um, And then also to say, do you have access to help? That's The the third one is definitely... um... The, I think the issue it's access. Uh, a lot of people, uh, even when they do come out, they struggle to get access to mental health services. Um, people who, even people who have medical aids, in fact, some of them the medical aids don't cover uh, the mental health. Aspect. So uh, it's it's. I don't know what needs to be done, but it's part of these conversations we're having uh, as we you know, do the mental health advocacy that people need to have access to mental health services where they are, a primary health care level or a district health care level, private and public. Um, so it's definitely worrying, but yeah, I'm not sure how fast we are going to achieve that. Yeah, and, you know, as we said, it's not a magic wand. Treatment's not a magic wand. It's ongoing. And, and, you know, ongoing in some form, whether it's psychiatry, whether it's psychology, whether it's coaching, um, or also your peer support. But it, it doesn't just, sure, one time, look, magic, and now it's all fixed and everything's fine. We'll pay for one and then we're done. Um, and you also can't set people on a journey where, you know, sort of one or two are paid for and then it's like, okay, now you're on your own. 
Definitely correct. And that is why, um, in part, I was mentioning, I love that you're mentioning coaching as well. That is why I was mentioning that you need to uh, utilize whatever resources one has at their disposal. Uh, as you say, it's not only psychiatry and psychology, but there are other things, um, other interventions one can use. So whatever is accessible to you, you need to, to utilize those um, and if the employer or whoever can support you financially or in whichever way to access those services, then, um, you know, it would be ideal. And that's what we're trying to get uh, uh, to get going, that um, there is more support offered for people to access um, the services, be it coaching, be it uh, any other form, um, and also recognizing the, the role that religion for some people plays in yes. support. Yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for coming to visit us and for sharing your personal journey with us. It's a pleasure, and I hope that even if it changes one person's perspective, uh, for me, that will be great. Yes, and you know what? We don't realize how many lives we do speaking to, how many lives are changed by listening to, and also by by you speaking out to say, you know what, you're not alone. You're not making this up. You're not um, you're not crazy to use an old expression that we don't use anymore. But but to say, you know what, step up. And the more people who do step up and who who do share the experience and say, no, here's my experience. And as you said, you can be a high functioning professional and be depressed. Definitely. Um, by more of us coming out, as you are saying, um, then we know that we've got each other to support, um, uh, each other to lean uh, to lean on. Um, so definitely, that's what we want: more people coming out, more people recognizing that they need help and acknowledging that, um, so that you know we can get help and be a healthy um, community. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much. I've loved speaking to you as my guest. Thank you, Colleen, and thank you for having me. Uh, it was wonderful to have this conversation. Okay. All right, so you've been tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. Please remember, you are loved, you matter, and you're not alone.